Welcome to the resource room. I'm Amanda, the blogger and TPTer behind the Primary Gal. As a special education teacher, you are always supporting others, students, parents, general education teachers. But who is supporting you? That's where this podcast comes in. It's my mission to give you the help and support that you need. I'll be sharing my tips, tricks, research-based strategies, and professional development. I'm here to help you grow and learn as a resource room teacher. Are you ready? Let's dive in. Hello, hello, and welcome back to our reading intervention series where we're talking about different components of what should be incorporated into your daily routines. And today we're going to talk about reading comprehension. And to be honest, reading comprehension is a big mama topic that would take, I mean, I could do a whole series on reading comprehension. So what I want to focus on are the kind of easiest to hardest as far as what you're asking your students to do with comprehension. And then we'll talk about the goals and how you can progress monitor that. So obviously there are lots of reading skills, reading strategies, all the things. And I do have some older episodes where I talk about that a little bit. So you could always go back and listen to a little bit of that. But that's not what I want this focus to be. I want to talk about where do you start and where do you take your students kind of in that sequence of skills. With reading comprehension, the most basic, the place to start, the kind of see what your students can do area is to start with write their questions. I've talked a little bit about write their questions in the reading comprehension series, which I did several seasons ago, and then just a couple seasons ago where I talked about progress monitoring. But to me, a right there question is something that the answer is right there in front of you. It is staring you in the face. An example of a right there question is, let's say I read a story about a girl with red hair and she had a great day at school and it was Halloween and they had a Halloween party. They got candy, they played games, earned treats, whatever it happens to be. If I ask what color was the student's hair and that student can answer, hey, it, it was red, then that is a right there question. They are able to look right in the text and say, well, it says she has red hair. It said she had brown hair, blonde hair, whatever it is, that's a right there question. The answer was right there in front of their face. The reader just had to go back and look at it. But if it never once says, you know, that she was excited or she was happy. She was ecstatic. If it does not tell me how that character felt, and then I ask a question, how did that character feel? Then that's requiring that student to make an inference, to draw a conclusion, to pull an answer out of their brain. That is a big difference. And for some of our kids, they could use their background knowledge and realize, oh, she must be feeling happy because that's how I would feel if my teacher gave me treats and we played games and candy and all that kind of stuff. That would be totally different. But just asking, what color was her hair? What did the teacher give to them? Um, what two things did they do at the party? 
Those are right there questions because I can look back. I don't have to use my brain really at all. And sometimes when, say, talking with gen ed teachers, they might say, well, those questions are too easy. You know, we're in fourth grade or we're in third grade. We need to be drawing conclusions. We need to be making predictions, doing some of these harder level skills, which is the goal. We want our students to be able to do that. But the trouble is, if you cannot recall or find answers to the right there questions, then you didn't understand the text well enough or you weren't able to read enough of the words. You weren't able to read fluently enough for it to make sense. And so you're not going to be able to draw a conclusion. Or reading independently isn't quite in your wheelhouse yet. Or that passage is too hard. Or the topic is too difficult. There are reasons why. So asking right there questions or being able to answer right there questions is the first step. And then we can move on to some of those other things like actually making a prediction or drawing a conclusion or what I tell my kids, this is an in your head question. It's not a right there question. It's an in your head question because that answer is not going to be a sentence in your passage. It's going to have to come from your head and that's okay. So to me, we have to start with those easy questions and move on to things that are a little more challenging, things that are a little harder for our kids to be able to do, which comes then to we have to teach some of those reading skills. We have to talk about and use some of those big words so that they understand, oh, we're making a prediction. The text didn't tell me what's coming, but good readers are thinking ahead. Ooh, what could happen here? Good readers are using their background knowledge to make predictions and inferences and compare things and relate it to whatever their connections or background knowledge happen to be. But in my mind, it is critical that we take time to focus on things kind of in an order or in a sequence that really makes sense for what our students are able to do. And so starting with multiple choice questions and then moving into just kind of explicitly teaching some of those reading skills or reading strategies to help them understand, to help them move from right there questions into answering those inferential questions or, or things of that nature. Then we also have a time where we get to a point where now maybe we made a prediction. Now maybe we drew a conclusion. Now we have to start backing that up with evidence. And going back to that gen ed example, and I work with wonderful teachers, so I am not saying anything about any of them. But oftentimes we're like, they can't even support their answer with evidence. Well, can they understand what some of that evidence or some of those details, some of that text, can they understand what it said? So again, going back to those basics, we can't do this hard business of citing evidence if we don't first understand what that text says. Then we can start giving an answer and finding the evidence in the text that matches our answer or that supports our answer or that proves what we're thinking. So start with the easy stuff and move on to this. Once they can kind of verbally support their answers, 
with evidence from the text, then you can move more into writing, whether that be just a, what I would call a yes ma'am question or a race question, depending on which acronym you use, but where you restate it, you answer it, you cite evidence, you explain some of those kinds of things where you use the author's words to support your answer. Maybe that is the level that your kids are ready for. Maybe it's not that. And it's more a writing prompt where they've read a couple of passages. Now they're working on writing multiple paragraphs to prove it. That spectrum is different, but it all is rooted in being able to understand what you read enough that you can draw your own conclusions, make your own predictions, start comparing and contrasting so that then they can really truly explain their thinking. All of the things that you're doing in your small group Um, or at least the things that we have discussed in this episode, are all geared toward improving comprehension. So what would those IEP goals look like where you might start working on multiple, multiple choice questions versus reading skills and strategies or citing evidence, things like that? What would those goals look like? I did a full episode about this a while back in the progress monitoring series where I talked about reading comprehension goals. So again, I don't want to like leave it out completely and not talk about it, but I don't want to drone on and on forever about something that maybe you've already listened to. But just to reiterate, we all benefit from hearing things one more time. I want you to think about what kinds of questions your students are going to be asked to answer. Are they right there questions? Or are they going to need to utilize a skill or strategy like making predictions, drawing conclusions, comparing and contrasting, finding the main idea, a theme, those kinds of things? Is it right there or is it something that's going to come from their head? So in your goal, you should be describing what kinds of questions they're answering. Are they right there or are they in your head? then what kind of support are you giving to them? So for me, a lot of the things that I might write would be that I'm asking right there questions about a passage that we've read in a small group. Meaning we've read it a couple of times together. That is far different than, hey, here's a cold read. I want you to read it. And then I want you to answer these five or 10 questions about it. So when you write your goals, be sure to include that. So for me, an example of that might be by the end of the IEP year, when given a reading comprehension passage in a small group or that has been read together in a small group, the student, Amanda, whatever name you know, you're working with there, Amanda will be able to independently answer basic reading comprehension questions with 80% accuracy or 50% accuracy or whatever is appropriate. Now, maybe that's too easy. Maybe you do want to push it depending on, you know, how old are your students? What's their reading level? Maybe you want to have by the end of the IEP year, when given an independent reading passage or a passage at their independent reading level, and asked to do more inferential questions. What kinds of questions will they be given? And what percentage do you think that they can do? 
Again, make it reasonable. It doesn't have to always be 80%. It can be, maybe they were 20% and you'd like them to be able to answer half of those questions correctly. What kind of progress have they been making over the course of the year? With that then, you can monitor that with weekly reading stories that you're doing. If it's something that they've read in their classroom, that they've read with you in a small group, whatever it happens to be that they have maybe read several times. It's not something that you just threw it at them and expected them to be able to read and answer those questions. Maybe it's their reading tests. Different reading series have, sometimes it is just over the story that they've read all week. Other times their reading test might be a cold read. It varies based on what reading series you're using, but maybe it's whatever they're doing in their gen ed room. Maybe it's something that you find on Newzella or reading A to Z or some internet-based website where there are reading passages, maybe it's something from TPT, where it's a fresh read for them. For me, I like to use the reading comprehension questions that are in the reading series. That way, it's a passage I know that they've read. It's a passage I know I have read to them, so they've had the opportunity to kind of use listening comprehension and reading comprehension skills there so that they can fully answer those questions. Most of the time my kids do okay with that, but it would be far different if I said, here's a story that we've never read together about foals and colts and fillies and answer all these questions. That's gonna be far different. What I want to encourage you, or kind of, I guess, give you a little pep talk on, is reading comprehension is difficult. Reading comprehension comes from the ability to understand the spoken word, like listening comprehension, and being able to decode and read words. So word reading times listening comprehension gives us reading comprehension. In your small group, you have to be working on one or both of those that happen to be the weakness or weaknesses for our kids. So we have to practice the word reading part, which is what I described in our first couple of episodes. And now then we move into being more fluent. So it is like you are listening. You're hearing, maybe it's the teacher, maybe it's what you, maybe it's what your peers are reading out loud so that you can start to understand what is being read to you or illustrated to you or given to you in a passage. And that takes time. That takes consistency. It's not always easy. But for a lot of our students, they're capable of it when we take it slow, take small bites, and eventually you get to where, oh, we're restating and answering questions. We're providing evidence. We are able to do all those things because we've taken our little bite-sized pieces to get there. And that's okay. Reading comprehension is a beast. There are so many things that play into being a good reader or a good comprehender and not. There are a lot of skills that our brain is using. And we know from our students, some of those things make a big, big impact on their ability to understand what they read pinpoint that with your students. Create goals that are designed for them, that are targeted for them, that are actually going to move the needle forward. And then create a routine that will help them get there. Whew, that was a soapbox moment and I wasn't even planning on it. 
All right, in next week's episode, we're going to talk about spelling. Spelling is a very big, big challenge for a lot of our students. It's something that we have to have good routines and practices in place for. And so I will see you next week where we'll talk all about spelling. Well, my friend, that's a wrap. Thank you so much for listening to the Resource Room Podcast. I truly, truly love to help and support other special ed teachers. Because of that, I run a Facebook group just for us. Search the Resource Room and request to join. You can also check out my website, theprimarygal.com, for blog posts, pictures, and more information. Until next time, have a great week.